Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference every year. Head over to CanMedEvents.com now to learn all about our CanMed 2021 event that will take place September 29th through October 1st at the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. And be sure to get your tickets today at the special early bird rate. While you're at CanMedEvents.com, be sure to sign up for email alerts to stay up to date with all the news surrounding this industry-leading event. Okay, this episode we have a few announcements before I introduce this episode's guest. First, I'm happy to report we have officially launched our CanMed archive page, which includes over 100 CanMed presentation videos dating back to our first event in 2016. The CanMed archive is a free, searchable video library covering a range of topics related to cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. Go to canmedevents.com and click the banner on the homepage to check it out. Second, we have gotten a lot of great feedback and coverage on the healthcare provider knowledge, attitudes, practices related to medical cannabis research study that we are doing along with the Cannabis Center of Excellence, Medicinal Genomics, and the UMass Dartmouth Charlton College of Business. The intention of this study is to collect information from healthcare providers in both the United States and Canada about their experiences with medicinal cannabis and their practices, prior education around the topic, and interest in future clinical education related to medical cannabis. If you are a healthcare provider, we hope you will take part in this short 15-minute survey. Your personal information will not be collected as part of the study, and one lucky participant will win a free full conference plus medical practicum pass to CanMed 2021. Check out the link in the show description to go directly to the survey or visit cannacenterofexcellence.org for more information. Lastly, if you are a Facebook user and you have not yet joined our CanMed community group, you're missing out on some great discussions. We have a little over 250 members in the group who share articles, post polls, and ask questions related to cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, safety testing, and more. It's a great way for the community to stay engaged throughout the year and a great way to stay up to date with news related to those topics. Use the link in the show description to join or search for CanMed Community on Facebook. Okay, and now I'd like to introduce this episode's guest, Dr. Michelle Shuffett. Michelle is an accomplished healthcare executive, marketing strategist, speaker, and wellness enthusiast with over 20 years of experience encompassing a unique blend of clinical medicine, communications, and leadership. Much of her recent work has been in the cannabis industry, highlighting the potential health benefits of cannabis and CBD. She recently joined Radical Science as a founding team member and chief growth officer. At its core, Radical is a rebellion against the status quo of healthcare and research and a movement towards democratized, personalized medicines that have the potential to deliver well-being for all future generations. As you can expect, with a description like that, we talk a lot about what Radical is doing to achieve those goals. 
We also discuss Michelle's journey from being a practicing physician to cannabis researcher, challenges with traditional clinical research, lack of reliable data on the effectiveness of natural products, how radical science recruits participants and collects data, and ongoing and upcoming studies radical science is conducting. Before we get to my conversation with Michelle, I would like to thank this episode's sponsor, Cannabis Patient Care Magazine. Cannabis Patient Care Magazine is an educational resource for patients, medical professionals, caregivers, and advocates on the latest research, benefits, and treatment options medical cannabis provides for a variety of illnesses. Visit cannapatientcare.com to learn more. All right, and without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Michelle Shuffett. Good afternoon, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining us. You're very welcome, Ben. I'm happy to be here. All right. You are turning clinical research, the clinical research model on its head, and I love it. Um, and I really want to, <laughs> I want to talk about um, what I mean by that. But first, I kind of want to take a step back and talk about how you got here, because I know you began your career as a practicing MD. So how do you kind of go from being a practicing MD to um, where you are today? Like I said, kind of reworking the clinical research model. It's, um, it's a little bit of a story for sure, Ben. Um, I am a physician by training. I did my medical school program at the University of Kentucky and my residency at UCLA. I, I practiced a few years and I think I honestly knew in my heart that I ultimately didn't want to practice. And it was a bit of soul searching to figure out how to apply medicine, which I happen to love, into something that, that fit me better as a, as a human overall. And I, I sort of jokingly refer to myself now as, a, as an MD gone rogue. Um, we like rogues. after I stop, <laughs> yeah, rogues, um, you know, I, I do work for a company called radical science now. So, um, it, it, it suits me well. I, I left practice. I did some consulting in the entertainment industry and, you know, my experience over the last 20, 20 plus years or so has, has really been a, a blend of, of clinical medicine, marketing strategy, education, and speaking across a, a variety of healthcare industries. I, I started out in pharma and did a lot of work there in the COPD space and ultimately transitioned into medical education, healthcare advertising. And you know, for me, that was a great opportunity to learn more about how to deliver information and really understand what clinicians were searching for in order to better understand something to better take care of their patients. I, I moved on from there because I thought it was really important to explore digital. And I worked for a digital health marketing and publishing company. And that really introduced me to the world of wellness as opposed to illness. And after, after spending some time there, that was sort of a, an eye-opening experience for me that it really 
inspired me and filled me with passion to, to do things there that were focused on integrative practices and wellness. And ultimately, when I left there, I, I took a little time to myself and I played around a bit with a digital fitness and wellness platform and ultimately stumbled across the cannabis industry. And I say stumbled because it was actually a, a really serendipitous experience. I was, I was at a cocktail party and chatting with some folks. And this, this one woman in particular was asking me a lot of questions about my background and the work I'd done as a liaison and an educator and a speaker. And I, I couldn't quite figure out why she was asking me all these questions because to my knowledge, there wasn't particularly anyone coming to this event that was involved in that space. And, you know, long story short, at the, at the end of it, she's, she suggested to me that I meet her husband because she said that I needed to work for him. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I ultimately got involved at Columbia Care, first as a consultant, and then moved on to become their VP of Scientific Research and Communications. And currently, I still consult for them as well. But that experience really, really shaped a lot of things for me. And you, you talked about turning research up, up on its head and, you know, working with, with Columbia Care and their chief scientific officer, Dr. Rosemary Mazinet, one of the things I learned is how hard it is to actually accomplish research mm. in the cannabis space. I, I, I see you nodding your head and I'm sure you, <laughs> you understand and have heard many, many times that there's so much bureaucracy, politics is involved, of course, and, and a lot of the rules are, are quite archaic. And that's so contradictory to what's ha actually happening in the real world. You know, we know that, we know that consumers are, are taking in natural products at increasing rates. And the shocking part is they're doing this without any real solid evidence in a lot of cases. So I, I, got, a, I got more and more interested in trying to understand why that was happening. Uh, most of the questions at my speaking engagements from, from folks in the audience and also from healthcare practitioners, because let's be honest, they were never trained on the endocannabinoid system for the most part. A lot of those questions were, what is it? How does it work? How do I know how much to take? Um, whether it be medical cannabis or a CBD containing product. So um, that was a, a really great opportunity for me to explore that, that area. And over the course of the time, um, I got to work in a couple of other fabulous platforms and consult for them to help communities understand natural medicines and things of that nature. Uh, and, then, uh, and then I think serendipity happened again. Um, <laughs> I was uh, <clears throat> looking at a website for the Holistic Research and Education Foundation, which our co-founder, Paline Thoroughgood, started. And I saw a photo of a friend of mine that I did residency with. And she's a pediatric endocrinologist. So I, I did a little screenshot of her photo on the advisory board and I, I sent it to her and I'm like, what, what on earth? When did you start looking into cannabis research and things of that nature? And, you know, it turns out that she lives, um, lives near Paline and they've, they've known each other for years. And 
she was advising as a board member in the insurance space, which is something that she's doing now. So she connected me to Paline and we had a, a great conversation and Paline and Jeff, the other co-founder, Jeff Chen, shared some ideas with me about what they wanted to do with radical science and it it hit all the right buttons and it got me really excited and very passionate about being part of a company that the entire mission is around uncovering the data around these natural medicines and really empowering consumers and also creating a source of data and insights for a variety of stakeholders. So I think um, all those things have finally come together in a, in a beautiful way. Well, it's, it's quite the journey. And it is a journey. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it stood out to me that it, you've started sort of in the pharmaceutical industry and now you're in cannabis, which I mean, a lot of people would probably consider opposite ends of the spectrum. And then another thing that you, you brought up was sort of this whole idea of wellness versus illness. And I wonder, is there a connection there? You know, is pharma more sort of concerned with the illness and, you know, cannabis and natural medicines more with the, with the wellness? I think you are, you are spot on. Um, it, it is a, a very, it's two sides of the, of the same coin in some ways. And I think that the pharmaceutical industry is, you know, is very necessary. Um, Western medicine is very important in many, many cases, and we've all used it to our advantage to help us over our lifetimes in many cases. And, and I don't think uh, any of us would trade that for anything. Um, the way it comes about is to solve problems, to figure out how to address a particular illness specifically, traditionally speaking, I'm, I'm generalizing, but I think it's a I think it's a fair generalization. And when you think about natural medicines, they've always been much more geared towards achieving balance and promoting wellness and optimizing health. And that's been happening for for centuries. They're they're also used to to manage illnesses as well. And I think the, the crux of radical is, is built on this idea of what if you could use a natural product? Some people, quite frankly, just prefer a natural product. What if you could use it and be confident that it's been tested, mm -hmm. that we understand how it works, and we understand how to use it, and that you could trust it in the same way that you would trust a pharmaceutical product? So we're, we're certainly not not out to to squash any of the work that the pharmaceutical industry has done what we're trying to do is create a path and a way forward for natural products yeah absolutely it's it's not a zero-sum game there's um there's room for both absolutely um, absolutely and, and it's you know it's coincidental that you that you bring up this whole idea of providing consumers with some sort of way to to trust that a certain product is going to work and that it's been studied. I was just reading an article about a, a probiotic that's supposed to help with athletic performance, specifically with endurance. And I'm training for road races and things that are eventually coming back online. And I was curious in that, and I was sort of trying to find information on um, this type of product and wasn't really able to find very much of anything. So I think that's a good segue into what you, folks are doing at Radical Science to try to 
um, get that data and talk a bit about um, what your approach is for sort of um, collecting data around these products. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, fu fundamentally speaking, radical, radical science is all about validating natural medicines for the first time. And it's, it, it was born out of the idea that there has to be a better way. So our goal is to create uh, a movement and that movement would be going towards a democratized personal medicine system where, where we have the potential to, to share information and deliver well-being, if you will, to everyone. And we, we do that by disrupting the traditional approach to, to clinical trials. So I, you, you can kind of think of us in, in some ways as a, a hybrid of a lot of things. We, we have the reach of a market research company, but we combine that with rigor. Um, it's, it's of utmost important to us, importance to us that everything we do is grounded in science and is incredibly rigorous. So you can compare that to perhaps a research university. And then last but not least, we're, we're a health tech company. So we also incorporate agility into our approach. And what we're doing is studying natural medicines in a similar fashion to the way that pharmaceutical products are studied. So we have a great group of advisors and scientific experts combined with the knowledge that our co-founders have accumulated over the past few years. So um, our co-founders are, are Jeff Chen and Paylene Thorogood, and they you know, built this company around all of these ideas after getting really frustrated with the current model in their respective areas. So um, Jeff, I think you might, you might know and have met a few times before, but he started up the UCLA Cannabis Research Institute and stumbled up against all those um, challenges that we talked about before with bureaucracy and being able to do something in a timely fashion, a cost-effective fashion, things of that nature. Um, Pauline started a, a foundation called the Holistic Research and Education Foundation, and she's raising money, basically, to help fund these research projects. And again, um, kept coming up against all these blocks that, that made it much more difficult than it needed to be. So the two of them came together and came up with an approach with the goal of reducing the cost and time of research while still providing rigorous health data. So if that probiotic you mentioned, if we, uh, if we were working with that company and, and able to study it, we would be able to provide potentially real world evidence that would help you understand as a man of your age with your goals, what might be the right dose to help you, what might be the right time of day to take it, other areas that it might improve your overall well-being. It would all depend on, on how that particular study was designed, but we would be able to provide that information for you. So that's, that's interesting. You'd be able to kind of provide almost some per personalized information based off of demographics? Absolutely. And you know, the personalized aspect of it, I think, is something that, that we're very excited about as well, yeah. because the, the individuals that participate in our studies they're just as important 
as a customer as as the folks that are the brands or the customers that are paying for the studies. And we want to make sure that they're provided with value because they're providing the research community with value. So every participant in our studies gets their own data back in a personalized insights report. So it will help them understand how their data looks amongst the, the aggregate or the cohort in that study. So they get a sense of, oh, wow, you know, the folks that, that we're taking, and I'm obviously making up an example here, but the folks that were taking 25 milligrams of CBD had the best improvements in a sleep score. I've only been taking 15. Maybe I should talk with my healthcare provider, or maybe I'm going to make the choice myself to try a product with a higher dose and see if that actually helps me sleep a bit better. So we're trying to, um, to leverage that power in numbers and, and share some true insights back with these individuals. Yeah. So you say that the, the individuals are very important and it, it definitely sounds like they are. So how do you recruit the individuals to participate in these studies? A couple of different ways. Um, you know, our model is definitely direct to consumer from, from the perspective of what we're doing in these virtual clinical trials. And if, um, if you'd asked me prior to 2020 how, how I felt about that concept, I, I might say that it could be really challenging because there's a lot of different things to wonder if people will actually follow through with. And, and I think COVID and the pandemic really showed us that, that consumers are very willing and able to do things virtually. Mm-hmm. And it really helped prove out that, that model for us. And when we recruit participants for our studies, there's a couple of different ways we can approach it. Um, Part of it is based on the trial design. Part of it is based on what our brand is actually able to do. You know, some brands are are better set up than than others from a a customer list perspective or recruitment perspective. So, you know, we bring in our participants through either working with a brand and leveraging whatever list they might have from their existing customers. If we want new participants, people who haven't tried a product before, we can leverage a consumer research network that we work with to get new participants. And you know, ultimately, we, we truly hope that we, we create a network effect and the general public will start to know about Radical and, and know about what we're doing and they're going to want to sign up and really want to participate to help generate data and grow this body of evidence, not only for the community as a whole, but but also for their own personal information and, and learn about themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that last group um, is a really interesting one. I think that there's definitely a lot of people out there who would be very interested to try these new products and, and get a personalized report um, based on that. So is there any way that people can you know, sort of sign up for, to know about what studies are, are coming up and maybe, you know, take part? Absolutely. So we, um, we have our website up and running and there's a couple of different places within the website that you can sign up to be alerted about future opportunities. Um, the website is radicalscience.org. 
radical.com and radical is spelled r-a-d-i-c-l-e so it's a a little bit of a, a play on words um, the radical is the first part of a plant root that emerges hmm. so it's it's the seed of the idea so we intentionally created a created that play on words because it aligns with the concept of, of natural medicines and plant science and plant medicine, but also the fact that um, the idea and what we're doing is, is a bit disruptive. Yeah, for sure. I like that. Um, and you, you mentioned that there are different types of studies that you can do. Um, does that include sort of like open label or double blind placebo controlled? Um, is that what you meant? Um, in, in some ways, yes. Uh, what we're doing right now are a couple of different study types, one of which is real-world evidence. So we know that, uh, particularly in the CBD area, that the FDA has really been asking for real-world evidence from, um, from manufacturers, from, from different brands, because there aren't any randomized controlled trials. So real-world evidence is, uh, is an observational approach, if you will. We also can do some studies that uh, we call discovery studies that will allow brands uh, a safe environment to look at different formulations, look at different products, and try to figure out which one is most effective and in what combination. So if you can imagine, think about all the CBD products out there, a lot of folks are combining in other, other APIs, active pharmaceutical ingredients. Hmm. And maybe, maybe you're just not quite sure. Does that need to be in a two-to-one ratio, a one-to-one ratio, something else altogether? Um, full spectrum versus broad spectrum, lots of, lots of different types of formulations and combinations. And if you want to bring one to market, you want to be able to test it, understand which one is most effective and save yourself the time and effort of putting something out there that, that may or may not work. So we can help uh, in that way. And then last but not least, and this goes back to the idea of validation, is we can do those placebo-controlled trials which will validate the natural product and actually allow folks to be able to make structure function claims, which is something that's um, really important and not done often in this area. Excellent. And are the results from these studies made public? Absolutely. One of, uh, one of our core values is, is transparency. And we um, make sure that the studies that we do, particularly those validation studies and such, are going to be published. Um, the real-world evidence studies, most of those will result in aggregate data publications. But uh, we're, we're working on a, a really interesting multi-brand CBD study right now that will launch in June, which will be um, published in a, a peer-reviewed journal. And you know, we're, we're going through all the, all the things we need to do to make sure that happens and abiding by all the regulations, clinicaltrials.gov, IRB submissions, all the uh, check boxes, if you will, you have to... Uh, to fill in order to get uh, something into a peer-reviewed journal. 
Yeah, that's excellent. Um, and I was going to ask you about that, uh, particularly clinicaltrials.gov. I, I spoke with Deb Kimlis on a, a previous podcast and uh, her group's working on a clinical trial on a CBD tablet for chronic pain that we, um, we discussed. And, and at the end, we were talking about, you know, um, what are some ways that consumers can, uh, I don't know, look for red flags or have a way to kind of validate some of the claims that some manufacturers make. And one of her suggestions was to check clinicaltrials.gov to look for the real robust clinical trials. So I'm glad to see you guys are on there. Not that I doubted it, but um, I'm, I'm glad to see that that, uh, that advice is, is sound. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the consumer is, is in a bit of a, a double quandary, in, in my opinion, because they're trying to figure it out. And unlike other areas, there aren't necessarily um, as many clinicians as you might imagine that are familiar with, with CBD and natural products. So there's a lot of self-learning and a lot of sorting through very complex things. Um, you know, when you, when you see something on a website that says clinically proven, you, you often take that for face value. And unless you dig in and actually look to see what really happened, you, you don't know if that's a valid statement or not. And our goal um, as an organization is to ensure that if, if someone hears that, that radical studied a product that you know that that was done with the highest level of rigor uh, we have a compliance process that we ask brands to go through where we, we have uh, a minimal set of standards that were established by one of our collaborative partners, Clean Label Project, in order to make sure that they're doing all the right things from a manufacturing perspective and a labeling perspective. Excellent. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about um, what studies you've done to date and or what other ones you have planned. I know that you've recently announced a, a sleep study that launched in April. Um, I wonder if you could speak a bit to that and, and other studies that you have going on. Sure, sure. So um, Radical is, uh, is fairly new. The company uh, kicked off last fall and you know we're really excited about the fact that we have a, a good bit of data getting ready to, to come out. Um, one of the I think first things will be released uh, the first week or two of June. We worked with a CPG brand to compare eight different CBD formulations head to head in over 1000 women. Wow. So we feel that's even more important because women's health is often overlooked when it comes to research. And this information helped the brand determine which product to bring to market. And we're releasing a white paper with details of that analysis in June. Um, we've also been working with uh, two different CBD brands on real world evidence studies. And we've been really working with them to help them understand their existing customer base. So this is one of the cases where they targeted their existing customers to understand how they were using the products and, and what experiences they were having and, and their perceived health outcomes. And then we also have the study that I mentioned earlier, the multi-brand study, which will be kicking off in June. And we're, we're really excited about it. It's called ACES, Radical ACES, Advancing CBD Education and Science. And it's the first multi-brand observational study on CBD efficacy 
that covers anxiety, sleep, pain, and general well-being. And to our knowledge, it's the, the largest and most comprehensive longitudinal study ever conducted to examine the, the efficacy, if you will, of hemp-derived CBD products. And, you know, we're really excited to say that um, we have, uh, as of today, um, I think we're up to 14 brands that are participating, many of which uh, are quite familiar. And I believe, uh, I believe you could, well, the top three brands in the U.S. are participating in the study. So uh, we'll be able to share their names once we announce the kickoff of the study. Uh, a couple other things that are going on right now are the sleep study you mentioned, which launched in April. And, you know, that was a, a really great partnership because the brand is, is truly passionate about research and science. Uh, they really want to understand how their product is, is helping their customers. And, you know, they were able to partner with a, a variety of different other sleep-related products to raise awareness about the availability of the study and, and get folks involved. And, you know, they're, they're essentially looking at different validated sleep indices over the course of a 30-day study period. And we had uh, ultimately about 200 participants. Um, the study's still ongoing, so I can't tell you exactly how many are going to end up completing, but the, the original goal was to get 200 completers. And I believe um, last patient out will be middle of June. So there will be data coming out from that study um, you know, a couple of weeks after that. And as a real world evidence study, um, the brand is committed to sharing the findings and Radical will take their lead on, on sharing the findings as well. So you know, there, there'll be some interesting stuff uh, to help us understand why they're using CBD, you know, what's their, their primary motivation, what are they consuming, when are they using it, and, and, and how, are they actually, how are they actually experiencing it, and, and what do they think about it. So we're um, pretty excited about that as well. Yeah, and we, I don't think we talked about it earlier, but um, I believe when I was looking at your website that the way that the participants get the data to you, it's through a, an app on their mobile phone, correct? It's through a, a website interface. Okay. Um, we're reaching out to we're reaching out to the uh, the participants in the studies either via via email or text alerts. So when you when you sign up, part of the study process is choosing how you'd like to be communicated with. So okay. we're working through both options. Um, the the study platform itself is uh, is part of our proprietary approach, and we are learning new things every day and evolving it to make it to make it better with each study we we kick off yeah because i was curious especially with with a study about sleep that i know that you know certain wearable devices that are pretty popular like apple watch um fitbit and others they have sort of a sleep tracking capability and i was curious if any of that data would be valuable to a, to a study looking at cbd and sleep that would absolutely be valuable. Um, this particular study doesn't include it, but that is uh, definitely on our list uh, for the future to make sure that we incorporate other technologies and other potential 
data gathering collaborations in order to build that body of evidence. Because the, the more information you get and the more you can connect and correlate, you know, what someone is saying and how they're answering those questions with actual data from, from one of those devices that, that tracks, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, because I would imagine that is a bit of a, a challenge with, with some of these studies is it's, um, you know, self-reported data, right? It is, yes. Um, the questionnaires we use are validated questionnaires, though, and they're the same questionnaires that are used in, in standard, standard clinical trials. So uh, when, when we start to release the insights in the data and we talk about certain indices and certain questionnaires, it's the same thing being used by academic researchers. So uh, we think they'll get pretty excited about it. It's not, um, it's, it's not just a how are you today kind of, kind of a question. Sure, sure. Um, so winding down here, um, I did want to you know, touch on a, a couple relevant news topics that came out that I was curious how that might affect what you're doing there at Radical. Uh, the first being um, that CBD is the FDA is talking about, you know, approving it as a food supplement. Um, how will that sort of um, affect what you guys are doing there at Radical? Well, I think it's, I think it's super exciting. Um, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier. You know, C CBD is such a, a regulatory conundrum, for lack of a better word. Um, the Farm Bill makes hemp-derived CBD legal, yet the fact that the molecule itself is an approved drug, Epidiolex from GW, means that it's technically not a food supplement. So it's, uh, it's this very, very confusing gray area. And getting it approved or getting it um, named as a food supplement, if you will, is, is I think a great thing. It's going to introduce a regulatory framework. It's going to introduce structure. And what we're doing now Sets, sets the stage for that. So I, I firmly believe that a lot of the information we're providing is ultimately going to be required information once, uh, once CBD is designated a food supplement. Yeah, and how would that be different from other mm, supplement, well, other supplements or other natural products? Um, are they sort of operating in that gray area as well? Well, they're not because if they're deemed a, a supplement, there's a, a very specific rules and regulations, whether it be manufacturing, claims, data, things like that, that they're subject to. Whereas CBD itself right now is, is not subject to those since it's not a food supplement. Got it, got it. Um, and the other um, news item is this expansion of, is essentially expanding the types of organizations that can do research into cannabis. Um, I imagine that's going to open up a whole number of possibilities uh, for different trials. No? Absolutely. Um, you know, this one I'm, I'm actually super excited about given, given my work at, at Columbia care previously. Um, it's, it's been, it's basically been a monopoly up until this point. So, you know, since the late sixties, there's only been, one DEA approved source of cannabis. And, mm. and when I say cannabis in this sense, I'm referring to, to THC containing cannabis, hot products, if you will. 
And, you know, that, that product came from the University of Mississippi. And, you know, the product that, that was being provided, most researchers and most healthcare practitioners felt that it wasn't representative of what's actually available in the market now. And a lot of folks have been really leading the charge and pushing to, to get these, these research, I'm going to use the word license, licenses, um, open up so that they're able to provide medical cannabis products or cannabis products for these research studies such that there's more diversity in what you can use in the studies and that the products are actually more aligned with, with what folks use on a day-to-day basis. Um, a lot of it has to do with like the percentage of, of THC in the cannabis that was available for research versus the percentage that, that folks are buying when they go to a dispensary and get medical cannabis. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really the first chance to use real world cannabis in studies and, and provide opportunities for, for more scientists and more researchers to be able to actually do it. Um, you know, Sue Sisley in Arizona has been uh, leading this charge for years and has very successfully um, I believe received one of these licenses, so it's pretty exciting to to hear that amongst a few other uh, other folks. I don't think they've released the the full list. Um, this news is hot off the presses. I believe it came out about a week or so ago. So it'll be it'll be great to see the the full list and and understand when these changes can start to be implemented. And you know, for us, um, not being part of an academic institution at Radical, where we haven't been held to the same types of um, rules that that academic institutions might be held to, but opening it up in general, all all tides rise. It it will make the process uh, a bit easier for everyone. Um, We haven't started doing cannabis studies yet, but we will be uh, doing those later this year. Yeah, that's excellent. And I agree with you that, you know, the more sites that we have exploring cannabis and kind of wading through or, or breaking down some of the restrictions that have been put on this, then it's, it's great for everyone. And especially us at CanMed, because we love to showcase all the great work that, that everyone's doing in the space. So winding down here, I did want to give you an opportunity before I let you go to um, uh, plug any websites or social media that uh, you'd like to make people aware of that they can connect with you or stay up to date with anything that Radical is doing. Yeah, thank you very much for that opportunity. Um, you know, we, we have uh, our website up and running, radicalscience.com, R-A-D-I-C-L-E-S-C-I-E-N-C-E, Radical Science. And um, we also have a, a bit of a presence on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll expand into some social channels later this year as we start to uh, have data and insights to share. But the, the best way to know what we're doing is to go to the website and and fill out a form on the contact us page or sign up for our newsletters, which will start going out in the next month. Excellent. Um, well, thanks again, Michelle, for, for coming on and, and talking about uh, all the work that you're doing and all the research that's going into CBD and natural products. Um, 
we could have talked for a few more hours. Uh, I didn't even get to all my <laughs> questions, but uh, <laughs> I know you're busy and uh, I'll let you go. And hopefully I get to see you out at CanMed uh, this fall. Absolutely. Hopefully we will uh, submit some data for you and we can share some of that information with, uh, with your audience. Uh, we could make that happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll talk more. We'll talk more. <laughs> all right. Thanks again. Thank you. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Michelle Shuffett. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to our sponsor, Cannabis Patient Care Magazine. Our next episode will drop June 23rd. That's two weeks from today. In the meantime, please do check out canmedevents.com for all the latest news surrounding CanMed 2021. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for email alerts. The best place to do that is on our podcast webpage. That's at canmedevents.com slash coffee talk. If you complete the form on that page, you will be entered to win two tickets to our VIP dinner for CanMed 2021. If social media is more your thing, you can keep up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search for CanMed Events. And lastly, if you are listening on a podcast app, please do subscribe to our feed and also leave us a five-star review. Okay, until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and be sure to come back for the next episode of CanMed Coffee Talk.